So as I was preparing today, I, um, I just felt the Lord impress upon my heart um, the, the, the passage of scripture found in Ezekiel chapter number 37. And it's a pretty famous passage of scripture. I think there's even songs about it. Dry bones, dry bones, dim, dry bones, you hear the word of the Lord, right? Okay. And um, I felt the Lord say that he was wanting to breathe into some places in your life that look dead, that look dry. You know, wherever Jesus goes, resurrection life follows. And sometimes in church, we can be guilty of passing one another and, you know, saying the hellos and shaking of the hands and smiling, but we don't know the battle that the person we just passed is currently going through. And we don't want to have a church where we're indifferent to people's situations. But how good that even when we miss it as humans, God always gets it. He always sees. The Bible says that God does not see things like a man does. So man may have been indifferent or ignorant to what you're walking through, but God never is. And so I really believe there are people here today and you're facing your own valley of dry bones in a particular area. Maybe around your employment, maybe financially, maybe relationally, maybe it's an issue in your life and the devil has whispered to you and said, this is always going to be bigger than you. You're always going to be stuck in this sin. You're never going to get free. Well, I believe that the spirit of the Lord, just like he did in Ezekiel's day, is hovering again over those dry bone situations in your life. And he's going to prophesy life where there has been death. He's going to prophesy fruitfulness where there has been lack. So the title of my message this morning, Beautiful Church, is simply called Breathe. Breathe. And the great thing about this word is I'm not going to give you a whole list of things that are hard for you to do. It's real easy. We're also in our religion rehab series, which is excellent because religion is all about being driven and striving. And maybe if I just try really hard, then God will accept me. But actually, Jesus came because there was stuff that we couldn't do in our own strength. So I'm hoping that at C3 Church that you get the revelation around breathing and letting God do what only God can do. So we're going to pick up the story in Ezekiel chapter number 37, and I'm going to read it to you. Maybe some of you are familiar with it, maybe others of you aren't. So we're going to go ahead and pop it up on the screen. It says this. It says, The Lord took hold of me, and this is him speaking to the prophet Ezekiel, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. Sounds like a good setup for a horror story right there. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and they were completely dried out. Now, you don't need to put your hand up or even nod at me, but maybe there are some people here today. No, I know there are. And you're looking at the ground full of dry bones and they look completely dried out and you're discouraged. Well, the Lord has sent another prophet today, not Ezekiel, but Pastor Leanne, to tell you that God is going to breathe new life into those dry bones. Then he asked me, son of man, can these dry bones become living people again? What a question. Oh my gosh. You know, we read that and we don't really understand. But can you imagine if God was asking you that question? You're surrounded by death and decay. And he says, can these bones live again? 
And then Ezekiel responds with the perfect response. Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. And he's so crafty because instead of saying, heck no, I've never seen bones that are more dry and brittle looking and more arid and decayed. He comes back and he's like, oh, Lord, you know, great answer. <laughs> and then the Lord said to him, speak a prophetic message to these dry bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you. Some of you need to receive this right into your heart and your spirit today and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So Ezekiel spoke this message just as he was told to. And suddenly, as I spoke, Ezekiel says, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. Can you imagine? See it in your eyes right now, in your mind's eye. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. For those of you that say the Bible is boring are clearly not reading it. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. There is nothing that Steven Spielberg has done that has come even close to this. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me again, speak a prophetic message to the wind. Son of man, speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath. Somebody say, breathe. From the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. What I just read to you is a miracle, okay? <laughs> I, I think it's sad sometimes we can be so dull and affected by the world around us that we can read a story like that and not really get the essence of what God is saying. I can make something out of nothing. Arid, dry place, places where there is no life. When you allow me to come in and prophesy as you have been commanded, you will see those bones stand up, skeletons, muscles, skin, and they will rise up a living being again. So there's three things that I want to charge you to do today, and they're not hard. Anybody can do them. Regardless of your education, you can do this. The first one is believe. Daniel set it up perfectly this morning. We are believers, okay? The only time that we were referred to as Christians in the Bible was, was only twice, and it was by other people. You know what we are? We're believers. That means we believe. And so God comes to Ezekiel and he says to him, can these bones live? And there will be times that the Lord will come to you just like he came to Ezekiel. And I'll say to you, can this situation live? That ministry, desire and anointing that was on your life, that through discouragement and pain and wounding and betrayal, you said that's dead and gone forever. Can these bones live? Maybe that kid that's away from God and has been away from God for a really long time and broken your mother or your father's heart over and over and over again. Can these bones live? 
Maybe he comes to you at the place of an addiction or an issue in sin and you think, I can't overcome this. God is not afraid of our mess, just so you know today. He's not a germaphobe. He's not like us humans. In fact, he's like, let me at it because I'm really good at making messes clean again. And so maybe he's standing over the dry bones of that addiction that you're struggling with or that issue, that sin issue that you feel like you cannot overcome. And he's asking you, can these dry bones live? And God's not asking us because he doesn't know the answer to the question. He is fully convinced and has an excellent self-esteem and knows that every area you invite him into, if you let him breathe his breath of life again, it will stand and be a living being. But you gotta, you got to believe. If I had one concern for the modern day church, especially in America, and I'm not picking on you because I'm American too, even though I have this accent. But, but here, here's the issue that I have or the concern I have for the American church is that there's a little bit of a faith gap, a believing gap. Because see, we got it all. You got, a, you got a sickness, you can just pick up the phone, you can go to Scripps. They're going to give you some antibiotics for that thing. And if you're sad, they can give you pills for that too. And if your kid's addicted, you can just go ahead and send them to rehab. Look, there are, there are ways in the natural to kind of put everything together but at the same time there are some things that our education and our logic cannot purchase for us that's why Jesus said when I return will I still find faith on the earth isn't it interesting that he doesn't say when I return will I still find love will I still find compassionate and empathetic people will I still find people of superior intelligence no, the Bible says that he said, when I return, will I still find faith? Which tells me that that's going to be something he's looking for on his return. When he comes back, he's going to be like, where are, all the, where are all the faith people at? How many people saw miracles that looked impossible? How many people saw the breath of God on their dry bones situation because they chose to believe instead of doubt? Right throughout the Bible, we see Jesus saying, if you only believe, you would see the glory of God revealed. There were some really impossible situations that Jesus confronted in the New Testament. There was one situation found in the book of, let me read this to you, in the book of Mark chapter number 9. Actually, I'm going to paraphrase just for time's sake. Where a, a man comes to Jesus and he's got a severely demon-possessed son. This is a big problem. So this son was so demon-possessed that he would throw an epileptic fit and then get really rigid and then the demon on the inside of him would try to drown him in the water or burn him in the fire. So can you imagine the distress as a parent watching your kid go through this? And then, and then the man brings his, his demon-possessed child to Jesus' disciples and they can't cast it out. They're trying their best. And then the man comes to Jesus and goes, I asked your disciples to help me and, and nothing changed. And Jesus makes this statement. I love it because he wasn't afraid to tell people what time it was. And he turns to his disciples and he's, and he's like, oh my gosh, you faithless and perverse generation. Faithless. Why couldn't it come out? Not because it wasn't God's will, but because they hadn't engaged their believing. They didn't have faith that things could shift. You faithless and perverse generation, here, bring the child to me. 
The Bible says that Jesus asked some questions and, and the father told him the experience, the distressing experience that he'd been having. And then Jesus spoke to the demon, told him come out, and the boy was completely delivered and was in his right mind again. I'm telling you today, there are situations in your life that may look impossible, but God is wanting to breathe his breath of life on those situations. But you've got to engage your believer. Do you believe today? And you might be asking, well, it's a great thing to tell me I need to believe, Pastor Leanne, but how do I do that? I'm so glad you asked. It's really simple. Again, it's not gonna, it's not gonna be hard for you. You gotta rehearse the right stories. So the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that faith or believing comes through hearing and hearing through the word of God. So it's not just hearing anything, but you gotta get the God stories in the forefront of your mind. So when I was walking through a season with one of my children who was caught in addiction, I had to be very careful what stories I rehearsed because there were plenty of stories out there of defeat. This kid dies of an overdose. This kid train wrecks his life and ends up in, in jail. This one, you know, is an addict never to be seen again. I had to be careful to put blinders on my eyes. I remember once walking through the airport and seeing a People magazine with a celebrity on the cover, yet another celebrity to lose their life to addiction. And it was like the devil was taunting me. Oh, you really think you're going to have breakthrough? What's different about your kid? And I felt the Holy Spirit say, Leanne, do not look to the left or the right. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come. Well, what if I don't have an experience of anybody else beating this? Who cares? You be the first one. I refuse to admit and concede defeat. I am not called to doubt. I am called to believe. So I wonder what situation you're facing today. And you've been on Google, the prophet Google that is only gonna tell you what you don't wanna hear. Many years ago, and I still have to this day, a, a lump on the inside of my neck. Now, when there was, this was discovered, I went to the hospital and they were immediately freaking out. I wasn't freaking out when I got there, but they were, and then I left freaking out. And then I started to Google neck lumps, I'm reading lymphoma, I'm reading all these things about it's cancer, it's cancer. Okay, before I know it, I am having a vision of myself, and I will never forget this. I'm sitting in my bedroom, and I have a vision of myself in a coffin, dead. And I started crying. They hadn't told me I was going to die. Literally, I googled myself into hysteria and anxiety. <laughs> they said, look, you know what? You're young, healthy. We're not seeing any other markers. But we've got to be really careful, so it could be cancer. But it's like, dude, don't, don't play around with the cancer label. Don't just toss that on somebody casually. <laughs> so I go home all stressed, and Jürgen's out surfing the nerve. <laughs> How dare he be having fun when I'm having a crisis? So I'm at home, I'm picturing myself in a coffin, and everybody crying around me. And then the next picture is of my husband remarrying and being happy. <laughs> I'm like, oh, hell no. I'm not one of those wives. If anything happened to me, I just want you to be happy. No, I'm like, no, you will stay celibate for the rest of your days and have a photograph of me with candles around it where you will come and thank God for the privilege of spending 30 years of your life with me 
and nobody else could compare. And so Jürgen walks in the door and I'm in this hysteria over this issue I've created in my mind because instead of rehearsing the right stories, I'm rehearsing the wrong ones. And I'm seeing my husband, myself, dead and buried and my husband remarried. And he walks in the door, I immediately start punching him in the arm. Like, if you ever get married, if I die and you get, I will come back from the dead and I will haunt you. I will shake chains in the bedroom. I will. So we gotta rehearse the right stories. What stories are you rehearsing? If you rehearse stories of defeat, that's what you'll get. Rehearse stories of victory. I, I've shared this story before, but let me say it again. My mom got saved in her 20s. My dad married her when she wasn't a Christian. He was missionary dating, not, not, not a good idea. <laughs> but anyway, she gets radically saved. She gets saved into a kind of religious mainstream church where they don't believe that God healed anymore. No healings for today. And, and that's fine until you get sick. And then you not, need to start to believe that the God of the Bible is the same yesterday, today, and forever for a reason. So she starts doing her own research because she's sick with a disease that took her mother's life at 42. So she's got five little girls. They've told her, get your affairs in order. You could go at any time. It was not uncommon for me to wake up uh, in the morning to find that my mum had been rushed to hospital because her heart stopped. She'd had a heart attack. She had multiple heart attacks or heart turns throughout my childhood. But she was in this situation where she was desperate and she had the model of her mother rattling around in her mind who died of a heart attack at 42 and all the, the stories that were recycling in her head over the things that the doctors had said. But she decided to re rehearse different stories. So she was part of an Anglican church, but decided to tune in to the Believer's Voice of Victory with Kenneth and Gloria Copeland every morning instead. And an amazing thing happened. She got her faith switch flicked on and she got radically healed. I tell you today, she was once on medication they said she would have to be on for the rest of her life that they didn't think was going to last any long. To this day, she has an incredible heart. She is on no medication and she's celebrating her... Oh, she just celebrated her 70th birthday. What stories are you rehearsing? Rehearse the right stories. Even if there is not one to rehearse, pick up the word and find one in there. Speak to those dry bones. Believe, can these dry bones live? God's asking you, can they? He knows they can, but will you add your amen to his word? Bible says the promises of God are yes and amen. And the amen is spoken by us. God hasn't changed in his desire for you, hasn't changed in his desire that he wants you to prosper as your soul prospers, every part of you, health in your body, health in your mind, financially secure, so much so that you're not able only to look after your own family but able to bless others. My gosh, get a hold of the promises of God and add your amen to it. It's time for us to become believers again. Jesus said, when I return, will I still find faith? And I'm praying that at C3 Church, he's going to come down and goes, now, now there is a congregation of faith. And listen, as your pastor, if I had any desire for you as my spiritual children responsibility, it would that be that we are people of faith. 
people of faith. The Bible says that without faith, it's not possible to please God. Why? Is it because God's hard to please? Well, no. It's because God knows everything you need in life, all the breakthroughs that you need will only come when you engage him at the point of your believing. God, yes, I believe. In this story of the man with the demon-possessed son, Jesus said to him, if you only believe, you will see. What is impossible will become possible. And the man's response was, oh Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Maybe today you need to pray that prayer. I'm surrounded in a world that is all about doubt and all about faithlessness. God, and I feel like my believing and my faith is attacked every day. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Eyes fixed on Jesus, let me rehearse the right stories to see life come into dry bones again. Somebody say amen. And the second thing he said to him was he said, Speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. The second thing we need to do, the first one, believe. Not hard, actually. You don't need to uh, believe. <sighs> Breathe, believe. Second thing, prophesy. And can I put it to you? You're actually already doing it. But you're either prophesying life or you're prophesying death. Every single one of us is prophetic. But you got to ask yourself the question today, what am I prophesying? He said, prophesy to these dry bones. Now listen, prior to Ezekiel, excuse me, Ezekiel coming in to save the day, I'll drink to that. Prior to him coming in to save the day, the confession of the Israelites at that time, and the context was in Ezekiel's time when God came to him, the Israelites were in captivity. They'd been stolen from their land and they were now exiles and they were discouraged and they were distressed. So this is what they were prophesying. We see it in Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 4. He said, son of man, these bones rep represent the people of Israel. And this is what the people of Israel are saying. We have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. So they were prophesying but they just weren't prophesying the word of the Lord. Not only were they discouraged, they were speaking out of their discouragement. We gotta be really, really careful and really, really intentional around what we let come out of our mouth. The Bible tells us death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. What are you prophesying today? What are you prophesying over yourself? Do you stand in front of the mirror and prophesy, I'm fat, I'm old, I'm ugly, nobody will ever love me? You know what? It's going to become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Instead, act like one of those real confident men. I am gorgeous. <laughs> I am lovable. I am valuable. I've got a smile that lights up the room. What are you prophesying over your marriage? Oh, that man will never change. Oh, I tell you what, I'm just looking forward to the day that he takes his last breath because I don't think anything's going to change. Prophesy. Bible says that God came to Ezekiel and said to him, prophesy the word of the Lord. And then Ezekiel prophesied as he was commanded. Can you prophesy as the Lord has commanded today? 
not out of your education, not out of your former experience, not out of your human logic, and girls, not out of your feelings. Well, I just feel, and listen, feelings, we all have them. And they're wonderful thermometers. They tell you, they tell you how you need to prepare yourself, but they're terrible compasses. You let your feelings lead you, you'll end up poop creek without a paddle, okay? You gotta be really careful how you're prophesying. Are you prophesying the word of the Lord? When Pastor Jürgen and I were building a home in New Zealand, we built two homes. The first one was a miracle story. Feels like every time we go to build a home and take ground, there's a battle involved. It's got to be faith involved. And I was like, God, I, I really love walking by faith, but I would prefer to have money. <laughs> like that would be so much easier instead of actually having to believe you for everything down to the kitchen sink. Can, can, can we just have money this time? Like that'd be great. But every time it feels like there's, there's a, a level of faith required to, to get that home. Our second home, we're earning, I think, about $25,000, $26,000 a year combined. So there wasn't a whole lot of money, but I was married to a man of faith, and we were tithers. So we had this access that not everybody has because tithers are the VIPs because they trust God. So they get access into the green room that a lot of other people don't get. So you wonder why they're walking around with a Perrier bottle? It's because they got some access from the Lord. <laughs> They got things that they didn't even pay for, but you know what? Because they trusted the Lord with their tithe, God opened floodgates over their lives. So we're in this situation where um, we're building this house and the, the builder, the project manager, was really corrupt and ran away with the money and didn't build the house. So we were left with a half-finished house. I was heavily pregnant with our second child. The builder had left abandon us. We found another contractor to finish it and he was also ripping us off. We were getting ripped off on every single end. And I remember driving to the, my husband had to come in and help finish the house. He worked with some builders that we found that weren't corrupt and we had to push to the very end and God came through with a series of miracles. But I remember in the hottest moment of that situation, driving on the freeway and I felt so tempted to prophesy according to my feelings. This is never gonna happen. We were fools, what were we thinking? Why did we do this? Why didn't we just stay where we were? Why are we here? Oh my gosh, my husband is so rash, my husband is so reckless. I, it was like the devil was standing at the doorway of my mouth, willing me to curse, curse, just curse. Doesn't it feel so good to just say what you feel? But on the flip side, there was an angel on the other side saying, Leanne, don't curse, prophesy. Don't curse, prophesy. I remember that battle waging. It was one of the most profound and memorable battles of my lifetime. I'll never forget it. And instead of saying what I wanted to prophesy out of my feelings, it's hopeless, we're cut off, my bones are dry, all hope is gone, <laughs> our nation is finished, 
Instead, I started to prophesy the word of the Lord. I thank you, Lord, that when we move into that house, we are going to have carpet on the floor. We are going to have curtains on the windows. We are going to have landscaping. The plumbing will be finished and paid for, and I'm going to bring my new baby boy into a finished home. And that is exactly what happened. Come on, my friends. Prophesy, 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 prophesy. Not according to what your flesh said, says or what your logic says, prophesy the word of the Lord. What does God say about your situation? That's why you need to be in the word. I'd love it if the band would come as we come to a close. Amen. Some of you are in a position now where God's desires to bring something new, some life into a situation, but you've got to prophesy the word of the Lord. At this point, you've been prophesying out of your logic, your emotion, and your feelings. And if you want things to shift, then your confession has to shift. And I want you to hear me loud and clear on that. I want you to write it down. I want you to put it on your phone and make it your screensaver. I cannot speak defeat and expect victory. It's time to shift your prophetic utterance. We're all prophesying, but what are you prophesying? The word of the Lord? or the words of your flesh. And finally, praise. So Ezekiel comes and the Lord tells him to prophesy, believe, Ezekiel, that I can bring life to these dry bones. And then prophesy the word of the Lord, the breath of heaven. And everything that looks dead will live again. And then God comes thirdly to Ezekiel and he says to him, Again, a message came to me from the Lord. This is Ezekiel 37, 15. Son of man, take a piece of wood and carve on it these words. This represents Judah and its allied tribes. Then take another piece and carve these words on it. This represents Ephraim and the northern tribes of Israel. Now hold them together in your hand as if they were one piece of wood. Okay. What does that mean? So God says, Ezekiel, I'm going to give you two sticks. On one stick is Judah, which means praise. And when you use that stick, I want you to add to it the stick of Ephraim, which means fruitfulness. Ephraim was Joseph's second-born son who God elevated to the firstborn place because his name meant fruitful. So what's the message in that? The message is when you praise in the midst of situations that look dead, God will add to your praise fruitfulness. Some of us have been experienced, lack in, been experienced lack in our lives because instead of praising in the midst of the valley of dry bones, we've been complaining. We got to shift our dish from complaint to praise. One time in my lifetime was probably the most significant example I can give you of this exact scripture. There was a season where my son, same son, who was away in rebellion, was put into juvenile hall. And it was a dark, dark, dark time of our lives. And coincidentally, that same weekend, I was meant to go to LA and minister at a women's conference. And I remember just thinking, I can't, I just can't. Everything I've been through, Lord, how can I stand before people and bring the word of the Lord? Father, I need ministry. I don't need to be given it. I, I, I need someone to lay their hands on me and prophesy over me. I don't need to be laying my hands on people and prophesying over them. And I felt the Lord say, 
Leanne, this is exactly what you need to do. You need to go to LA and you need to sit in the praise and you need to bring a sacrifice of praise and then watch what I will do in your situation and your circumstance. So I remember going up and nobody knew anything that I was going through, but I thought, yeah, that is the word of the Lord to me. And as I stood in the front row at that women's conference, I felt the spirit of the Lord come upon me in a way that I had never experienced before. Because the Bible says that when we bring a sacrifice of praise to the Lord, that God shows up. I'm telling you that day, God showed up. God showed up big time. People were saved, people were delivered, people were set free. I'm like, you know what I'm going to do, devil? Because you've tried to take the life of my son, not only are you not having his life, I'm going to get a whole other bunch of people saved. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Put, put that in your vape and vape it. Whatever the current way of getting tobacco to oneself is. Some of you... The Lord is wanting you to put on your garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, but the enemy has convinced you to sing out of a sad song. You know, I love, I love music, but there is some music that is better than others. And some of us haven't seen the fruitfulness we want to see in our life. We've been looking at that valley of dry bones, but it stayed dry because we're singing the wrong songs. Put on the garment of praise. Praise busts down walls and brings about the promise that the enemy is trying to keep you out of. All we need to do is look at the story of Joshua when he came to Jericho. The Bible says that Jericho was their promise. This was their promised land, but there was a big wall around it. What brought that wall down? A wrecking ball? Dynamite? Did they, did they bring in the construction company with their big, big tractors and steamrollers? Nope. They walked around that well-fortified place seven times and every day they lifted a shout of praise. Many of you think if I do this or that or maybe if I'm in it, praise, praise. Some of you got to change the channel on the radio in your car. You're listening to all the songs that amen, amen your pain. All the country and western songs. My boyfriend left, I lost my job, my dog ran away. Change the channel. Get the praise on. I'm telling you. There's a song on the new Hillsong album. I think this, the, the album's called People, is that right? It's called The Song of Ascents. I'll praise you on the mountain. I will praise you when the mountain's in the way. You're the summit where my feet stand. In other words, my feet don't stand on logical ground because everything's going okay. You are the summit. I stand on your word. I will praise you in the valley all the same. No less God within the shadows. Some of you have lost your praise. It's time to find it again. God came to Ezekiel when they were surrounded by a valley of dry bones and I saw your faces in my mind's eye as I prepared this and some of you are facing dry bones valleys. And the Lord is saying to you, it's time to believe. It's time to prophesy. And it's time to praise because where praise is, fruitfulness and multiplication follow. It's no coincidence that the tribe of Judah was the most fruitful tribe. It was bigger than all the other tribes. Why? Because praise brings fruitfulness. 
Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to C3SanDiego.com. 